everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Analyze and Educate podcast. This week we'll talk more about Syria, we'll talk about the two ceasefires that have gone into effect since our last podcast, and we'll also give a little bit of info on the raid that took out the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Um, you could follow us on Instagram at Analyze Educate. That's all one word. That's where we post stuff we don't talk about on the podcast. Um, on the podcast, I want to keep it a, a little more condensed, um, and I don't really want it all over the place um, in terms of uh, information. So follow us on Instagram um, where we have a more, more of a variety in terms of what's going on in the world, right? Stuff we don't talk about on the podcast. Um, like I said, you can find us, Analyze, Educate, all one word on Instagram. You can find this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, anywhere you get your podcast pretty much. Um, please spread the word. You know, it really helps us out. Um, you know, review the podcast, like it, share it, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate the support. You can find me on Instagram at Kirko408. If you want to look up my personal, that's awesome. And hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Thank you. So we're going to start with the raid on Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. So on the 26th of last month, uh, Delta Force... Army Rangers and the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment launched a raid on Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi's compound near Berisha in the Idlib province of northeast, I'm sorry, northwest Syria. It's important to note that Idlib province is currently the last safe haven for these Islamist rebel groups um, that are still fighting against the Syrian government. It's one of the last safe havens, I guess. There's there's one more after that, which would be the region of Al-Tamf. Um, but Idlib is con- isn't controlled by ISIS. It's con- controlled by other former Al-Qaeda groups that aren't aligned with ISIS. It's an interesting situation, but uh, Baghdadi's compound was 10 miles from the Turkish border, and it was pretty much surrounded by nearby Turkish military bases. I think that's something interesting to note. Um, In the raid, six ISIS fighters were killed. 10 to 15 non-ISIS fighters were killed by uh, U.S. aircraft. Um, Those were uh, you know, probably militants from other Islamist groups um, that hold Idlib province. Um, Defense Department officials said that U.S. aircraft killed those fighters as they were approaching the compound during the raid. Um, probably going there to kill Americans or whatever. Um, two ISIS fighters were also captured in that raid. And it ended with al-Baghdadi... Uh, killing himself by blowing up his suicide vest, and he took two children that were both under the age of 12 with him when he was cornered in the tunnel and blew up that vest. Russian officials were notified of uh, U.S. forces operating in the area before the raid was launched because um, Russian, Syrian army, and Turkish forces operate in these surrounding areas, and 
U.S. forces would have been flying through that controlled airspace. Um, if you guys want a detailed breakdown of all the info from the al-Baghdadi raid, you can find it on our Instagram, of course, Analyze, Educate, all one word. Um, we try and keep up to date with all that info, and we'll post new info as it comes out. All right, so let's get on with Syria. So we'll start with the uh, 19th of last month. So clashes reportedly continued uh, between the sides. That would be the uh, SDF and the SAA clashing with uh, Turkish armed forces and their allied groups. Next day on the 20th, the uh, SDF withdrawn from Ras Alan and clashes continued in and around the areas. U.S. forces continued to withdraw from the region, um, and Trump came out and said he favored keeping U.S. forces in Dares or province to guard oil fields, supposedly from ISIS taking control of them again, which is what happened when ISIS made their push into Iraq and Syria in 2014 and 2015. Next day on the 21st, Turkish uh, drone strikes near An Issa and clashes and shelling near Abu Rasan were reported. Widespread looting, arson, kidnapping um, was also reported in Rasalan by the Syrian National Army, uh, notably by the Hamza Division of the SNA. The next day on the 22nd, a uh, Russian-Turkish agreement um, was agreed upon by Vladimir Putin and uh, President Erdogan of Turkey. So they established a uh, Operation Peace Spring area um, between Telabad and Rasalan that would be controlled solely by Turkey, and that would reach uh, 32 kilometers deep into Syrian territory from the Turkish border. The YPG would be removed from an area along the entire border, going 30 kilometers deep from the Turkish border. Russian and Turkish patrols would be conducted in that area and would go to as close as 10 kilometers from the Turkish border, excluding the city and area around Kamishli which is currently controlled by Russian forces, and they're trying to set up a base there. We'll talk about that a little later. The YPG uh, will also be removed from Mambij and Tel Rafat. The next day on the 23rd, the commander of the YAT counterterrorism unit of the SDF was killed in action, fighting against Turkish-backed forces. Trump also removed sanctions placed on Turkey due to Operation Peace Spring being launched. U.S. officials also claim that at least 100 ISIS prisoners have escaped since the beginning of the operation and their whereabouts are unknown at this time. The next day on the 24th, clashes between the SDF, SAA, and Turkish-backed forces near Tel Tamar were reported. The next day on the 25th, at least 300 Russian military police personnel that were stationed in Chechnya were deployed to Syria, and that's coming from the Russian defense minister. The next day on the 26th, up until now, which is November 3rd, clashes are continuously being reported between the SDF, the SAA, and Turkey and Turkish-backed forces. On the 31st of October, a car bomb in Afrin killed at least nine people, and no one claimed responsibility for that attack, but it could have very well been ISIS taking advantage of the situation. Also on that day, U.S. mechanized infantry moved into Syria from the Iraqi border to protect the oil fields, which we talked about a little bit before. Newsweek reported that the U.S. could reportedly 
reportedly deploy as many as 30 M1 Abrams main battle tanks, of course, with accompanying, accompanying infantry support. Um, on the 1st of this month, Russia and Turkey started joint patrols in that area that was established on the 22nd. The next day on the 2nd, which was yesterday, a car bomb in Tel Abiyad killed at least 13 civilians. No one claimed responsibility for that attack. Again, could have been ISIS. Who really knows? Okay, now before we move on to today and further information, we are going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So let's start to finish this up. A lot of news today. NSA mortar attack hit a team of the Free Burma Rangers in Taltamir, injuring two of their doctors and killing one by the name of Zhao Zhang of Thailand, I believe. Free Burma Rangers are an uh, American-based humanitarian group providing mostly medical assistance around the globe, um, obviously in Burma. I think that's where they got their start, and then they've since moved to Iraq and Syria. Also, an attack by unknown gunmen on an NSA bus convoy today killed at least three NSA fighters. Russian forces occupied a resort by the name of Al-Nadi Al-Zara in Kamishli City to use that as a headquarters. There have also been reports that Russia is looking to lease Kamishli Air Base to use as a headquarters for the next 49 years. Now, Kamishli Air Base was recently occupied by U.S. forces. Until their withdrawal. U.S. patrol arrived four kilometers from Kamishli City, and the U.S. is also in the process of establishing a new base around the area, so that'll be interesting to see if they come into uh, conflict with Russian forces nearby. The SDF regained control of 13 villages from the NSA today, so obviously that uh, ceasefire is not really holding well. SAA and SDF formed a joint operation room today near Anisa. So, even though Russia and Turkey are conducting joint patrols and they have this agreement between the two, um, yeah, it looks like there's a little bit of um, little bit of confusion as to what the actual situation is, because we're still seeing clashes between the Syrian army and Turkish-backed forces. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Turkish armed forces attacked the village of Mahmudia, and the SDF had to fall back to Kamishmiya. So again, ceasefire isn't holding that well. And I had to include this little story because I thought this was amazing. Residents of the Al-Shuhal village in Derzor province lured and ambushed a group of four ISIS fighters, killing one of them and arresting another one. I guess these dudes were basically going around um, blackmailing people, saying, give us money or we're going to kill you or we're going to kill your family, whatever. Um, so I just think that's funny that these dudes got lured and ambushed by a group of villagers. That's awesome. And next we got changes in the order of battle. So we'll start it off with Turkey. Now we're seeing 
the uh, General Directorate of Security being added to the Order of Battle, and under them, the Police Special Forces Detachment um, has been deployed in the area for the operation. That's really it for Turkey, so we'll move on to the SNA. The SNA, the Elite Army, has been added to the Order of Battle, and that is a, a Free Syrian Army faction, and under them, the Azadi Battalion has been added, which is a unit of ethnic Kurds linked to the Kurdish Freedom Party. Now, the Kurdish Freedom Party is the Kurdish rival to the um, People's Workers Party, I believe it is, the PKK in Turkey. So I think that's interesting, ethnic Kurds fighting against each other. And then we'll move on to the SDF. So the Northern Democratic Brigade has been added, and that is actually a splinter group of the Free Syrian Army that has allied themselves with the Kurds instead of going along with the the rest of the former FSA. So that's a little interesting. Lastly, for the order of battle, we have units being added under the International Freedom Battalion that I talked about a little bit last time. Now, What's interesting is these, all these groups are uh, Marxist in some sort of way, and they're all Turkish armed groups. And first, we have the Revolutionary Communard Party, which I believe has been banned in Turkey, so they have since joined the fight in the Syrian Civil War. You have the Maoist Communist Party, the Communist Party of Turkey, Marxist-Leninist, and under them, the Turkey Workers and Peasants Liberation Army is serving. Next, you have the Marxist-Leninist Armed Propaganda Unit. And lastly, the Communist Labor Party of Turkey, which is Leninist. These are all Turkish Marxist armed groups fighting alongside the Kurds. We'll finish it up with casualty reports. So these uh, could very well be outdated. These are the most recent reports I could find. But um, obviously with the this broken down ceasefire, um, things are moving very quickly again. So I'm sure these are out of date. But this is the most recent numbers I could find. So again, this is reported by the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Each side is kind of reporting different casualty numbers. And I'm not saying that what the SOHR is reporting is 100% the truth. Um, they're just the ones that I personally trust the most. But, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. So for the SDF, we have at least 283 killed in action since the start of the operation. Since the Syrian Arab army has joined the operation on the side of the Kurds, they've had at least 24 killed in action. Syrian National Army has had at least 216 killed in action. The Turkish Armed Forces has lost 9 killed in action, with another member being killed in a non-combat related incident. And then we have at least 131 civilians being killed by both sides since the start of this operation. And displaced is still sitting at above 300,000 people. So that's all we have for now.
Thanks for listening, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Analyze and Educate podcast. Like I said before, you could find us on Instagram at Analyze Educate, all one word. You could find me on my personal at Kirko408 on Instagram. You could find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, anywhere you find your podcast. Really like, share, subscribe, review the podcast, whatever you got to do. Spread the word. The support helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. I hope you like this episode. Um, hit us up. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you want to see. You know, what, whatever you want to tell me, just hit us up. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time.